All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 8, Episode 29 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Segan. We got Dylan D. Berthium with us. At the moment, Biebs will be joining us later. So we are going to do this show backwards. These streamers are going to kick us off. So, D, how's it going? Uh, doing great, man. Can't think of a better way to get the show started than with some streamers. I mean, we make people wait 30, 45 minutes every week for these. Let's just get it out of the way. Yeah. Win some people their weeks. It's such a bizarre week, too, like, with starting last week, and there was, like, a combined, what, six games and four nights, yeah. and then now this week is outrageous again. Half the you know, league is playing, and then Saturday there's... Everyone comes back. I, I think the entire league plays except for two teams. Four teams. Four, is it 14 games? Yeah. 14 games on Saturday, so... That'll be fun. So you'll take us through it, who to play on Friday, who to play on Sunday. Let's get into it. All right. So, yeah, we got four games on Friday, 14 on Saturday, and then four again on Sunday. So, as always, we're going to try to get as many games in your lineup with as few acquisitions as possible. We're going to take a look at the two teams that are playing Friday and Sunday this weekend. They are the Seattle Kraken and the Anaheim Ducks, which, uh, thankfully, for a change, have plenty of top six options on both teams that are widely available. I think between the two teams, there's only three skaters that are above 60% owned. Uh, Zegris, Dunn, that up. and Terry. Um, so, yeah, every pretty much everyone else is, is on the table here. Um, so we'll start by going through the Kraken. They are in New York to play the Rangers on Friday and then in Philadelphia on Sunday. 
Uh, so not a great matchup Friday night, decent matchup on Sunday. Uh, but obviously, we're not going to be too picky here. We're just trying to get that extra game into our lineup. So we got Matty Veneers starting us off here, 44% owned, centering the crack in second line while also skating on the second power play unit. Tremendous young talent. We talked about him a ton this year. He's coming off an injury, currently in the midst of a six-game point drought, which has actually helped keep his ownership below the 50% mark. Uh, like I said, difficult matchup in New York on Friday, but a, a really solid matchup in Philly on Sunday. He's got 36 points in 48 games this year. A great bet to add to your point totals this weekend, uh, and definitely the best goal threat that we're going to talk about here. Uh, but you know what? I, I, I shouldn't speak too soon because we're going to talk about Jared McCann. 34% owned. Uh, he's shooting 23% this year. So he's been one of the biggest overperformers in the league. He's got 23 goals and 12 assists and 47 games to show for it. Certainly due for some major aggression in the second half of the season, but still makes for a viable streaming target on any given night. And the injury to Burakovsky uh, should only open up more ice time for McCann, who's currently skating on the top line and power play unit alongside our next two options, Alexander Wenberg, 3% owned and Jordan Eberle at 21% owned. So, I told you, we got a ton of options this weekend. Uh, Wenberg, excellent streaming target in deeper leagues this weekend. He's always been a pass-first player. Much more likely to pad your assist totals and goals this weekend, but he's getting a ton of ice right now, and he's taking advantage of it. He's got nine points in his last 15 games while averaging 17 and a half minutes a night. And then Everly, arguably been the Kraken's most uh, consistent producer up front this season, totaling 10 goals and 28 assists in 45 games. And if none of those four are available, then you can roll the dice on one of Jaden Schwartz, 4% owned, Ely Tolvanen, 13% 13% owned or Oliver Bjorkstrand at 10% owned. Tons of options here. Oliver Bjorkstrand currently 18th in the NHL and goals scored below expected. So guy that we've talked about quite a bit this year, uh, Jared McCann's on the complete other end. You said he's shooting 23% fourth in the NHL and goals scored above expected. So he's been pretty fortunate, but definitely um, he's been kind of just riding this the whole season. It's not like he's got hot and cooled off. He's basically just been a consistent goal-scoring threat throughout the entire season. Uh, Burakovsky does sound like he's going to be sidelined for an extended period of time, week to week, so that'll definitely shake things up. Uh, Ryan Donato was the one that is expected to move up tonight, so maybe another name you could add to the list. I don't think you need to get too deep, because as you mentioned, you can basically go 9-10 players deep on this list, but uh, yeah, this is a team that's going to be playing a lot of games here in a short amount of time, and, and if they can catch a, you know, catch a heater again. Their offense has been a little bit cold as of yeah. late, um, I think what was it Chicago they played they had like that equal outburst and they've cooled off a little bit and then the team that you're about to talk to talk about the Ducks it's kind of been the inverse where they couldn't score a goal forever and they've actually caught a little bit of firearm play and are playing much better hockey as of late so who do we got to pick up from the Ducks? Yeah, we're not going as deep into the Ducks. I, I think the Kraken a much more deeper team. Uh, makes sense with the expansion draft. We saw that happen with Vegas as well. You can fill up the lineup pretty nicely. So lots of options on Seattle. Less so on the Ducks, but still two really good options I want to mention here. Uh, we got Adam Henrique, 18% owned, and Mason McTavish, 16% owned. Two guys that we've talked about in this segment, as well as just maybe um, some bylaws or some deep league targets, some breakout candidates for the second half. Both viable options this weekend, even with the difficult matchups that uh, the Ducks take at home, uh, the Penguins at home Friday, excuse me, before traveling to Vegas on Sunday. So even with those tougher matchups, the two are seeing enough ice time to warrant some consideration. Henrique skating with Zegris and Ryan Strom on the top line, while McTavish is centering Max Jones and Frank Fertrano on the second line. Uh, both also featured on the Ducks ta- uh, top power play unit. Uh, and we talked about, like I said, McTavish on the breakout episode a couple weeks ago. Love is upside the rest of the season, but between the two of them for this weekend specifically, or specifically, I would lean uh, Henry, given the fact that he's seen more ice and getting the better quality linemates at 5v5. So overall, uh, that's nine guys we just went through. So plenty of options this weekend. I'd go Beneers, McCann, Eberly, 
Henrique, Wenberg, McTavish, Tolvin, and Schwartz, but Jorkstrand. Any major deviations there, Brock? I think I would have Henrique maybe a little bit higher. He's just been on such a heater as of late. Uh, definitely shooting, you know, a little bit unsustainably uh, high, twenty six point nine percent over his last ten games. But he's got ten point seven goals in that span. He's been playing really well, and I think that the the Ducks specifically uh, will be very excited about this because I do think that he's probably an asset that they would be willing to move uh, as we get closer to the deadline. And he's certainly doing wonders uh, for his trade value at the moment. Um, you know, maybe now with the the news of Jack Hughes's injury, there, there could be a uh, reunite him with the Devils, perhaps yeah. somebody that could bring a veteran presence and play, you know, on the third line. Once Hughes gets back, he's just been playing really, really well. I don't mean to get too far away from the streaming here, but, uh, Henrique's been playing well. So I might have Henrique a little bit higher. Um, but yeah, it'd be like kind of between him and Eberly. Yeah. I certainly would go with Berniers, uh, first, uh, without a doubt. McTavish too, just I, I, a quick note. I was looking up some numbers beforehand. Uh, we talked about how we like McTavish's potential to, to break out here in the second half. And I just mentioned how the Ducks seem to have found some offense recently. And that should bode very well for McTavish who, at the moment of players who have played at least 500 minutes at 5v5 this year. He is the fifth lowest on ice shooting percentage at just 5.23%. Absolutely terrible. The only names above him, Yuel Kiviranta, Zemgis Gergensens, Patrick Nemeth, and Sean Corrali. So, Three fourth liners and a third pairing defenseman. And he's been playing in the top six the entire season for the most part. Uh, so you'd expect better fortune for Mason McTavish here in the second half. And maybe if you stream him this weekend, it'll start this weekend. Yeah. I mean, the problem is the top six is a lot of Max Jones and Ryan Strome. Without Troy Frank Terry Petrano. right now, it definitely yeah. looks a lot thinner. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, But yeah, the only reason I was a little bit shy on him, like I said, just the matchups, Penguins and the, the Golden Knights this weekend. Not great. Seattle, at least you got that matchup coming home against the Flyers. Well, the Flyers have been playing uh, pretty well, you know, even going back the last couple months. So um, the matchups aren't fantastic for either of these two teams, but we do have plenty of options available. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a bit of uh, who you feel best about roll the dice, but um, at least we have, you know, a good five or six guys who are really going to see a lot of minutes this weekend that should be out there available for you to pick through. It remains to be seen exactly how it'll play out because uh, Tristan Jari is working his way back. He looks like he's healthy. He looks like he could play as soon as tomorrow. Yeah. But if he's not available, there is, I guess, a chance that Dustin Tokarski could go on the front end of a back-to-back for the Penguins. I would imagine he would get Anaheim and DeSmith would go Saturday if... Jari isn't ready. Right. I think Jari will be ready, but I mean, if you get word that all of a sudden, hey, Tukarski's getting the nod for the Penguins, then an Adam Henrique, I think, becomes a little bit more appealing than if he's facing DeSmith, who just stood on his head against the Avs, or Jari, who's been pretty good all season long. So something to look out for. I think he'd bump the, you know, be a little bit better than, you know, I would imagine for the Kraken, they'll face Halak yeah. uh, on on Friday, which would be great news for them. Um, so yeah, both both very viable options. It's funny to sit here and be like, your whole week, this two-week-long week hinges on the Seattle Kraken's entire roster or the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah. Or it could uh, hinge on one of these three goaltenders that we're going to talk about, all below 20% owned, two of them below 10% owned. Uh, we got nine teams with a back-to-back this weekend, so not going to be going through all of them. Uh, but I d- will give my favorite three spot starts to target this weekend. Uh, really the only three worth mentioning here. So we're going to start with the homer pick, get it out of the way. Joseph Wool. Uh, 2% owned. The Leafs have a home-and-home against the Blue Jackets this weekend. They'll be in Columbus Friday before hosting the tail end on Saturday. Matt Murray was placed on IR 
today, yesterday, yep, today. Uh, and Wall was recalled. He'll be a strict backup to Samsonov, but you can definitely expect him to get a game this weekend. Uh, I do think they're going to be looking to get him at least some work uh, and down the stretch here while Murray was out and just give them an idea of whether this is a reliable backup for them or if they need to maybe uh, pad the position before the trade deadline. So ideally, uh, we would love Wall to go on the quieter slate on Friday. Like we said, there's 14 games on Saturday. Uh, the least will be the uh, the biggest favorites on the Friday slate hands down uh, more than likely he'll get the second game on Saturday. The Leafs will still be heavy favorites to win, but with 13 other games on the slate, you might already have two strong options that night, but still, if you're short on options or, or simply just want to chase wins, uh, wall will be a great bet. Uh, did pretty well last year and is a kind of cup of coffee in the league. He had uh, a nine eleven save percentage and four games for the Leafs last season. Uh, and he's been hurt this year, but he's been outstanding when healthy in the AHL, racking up a 13-1 record with a 9.30 save percentage in 14 games. So like I said, he looked decent in his short stint last year, uh, and he's looked amazing when healthy in the AHL this year. So I do think he's going to get some games down the stretch here just so they can see what they have in him here. And maybe this is someone that, like I said, you can at least rely on to serve in that backup role. Because uh, again, it's less about actually you know playing once every five or six games or seven or eight games and, and more about can this guy actually step up and you know for a period of time if we take another injury to Samsonov. So uh, I, I do think they're going to want to figure that out. And this weekend will offer a prime opportunity. He'll definitely get one of the two games. Like I said, hopefully it's Friday, but worst case, you get the home matchup on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, most of these reporters are already talking about how they expect him to get one of these two games. Obviously, it makes a lot of sense. They're not going to uh, ride Samsonov on the ground, especially given how banged up Matt Murray's been this season. So yeah, uh, the matchup doesn't get much better than the Blue Jackets at the moment. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, then we got... Uh, a frequenter of the uh, spot start segment, Yaroslav Halak. The Rangers, uh, Halak still just 8% owned, by the way. Rangers have a pair of difficult games this weekend, taking on the Kraken at home on Friday before traveling to Carolina on Saturday. Uh, really only interested in Halak if he gets the game on Friday, uh, which sounds like it could happen. We've seen the Rangers in the past kind of go against uh, the grain there and start the backup in the first game, especially if it's uh, looking like the, you know, the tail end is going to be the more difficult game. Uh, but if you're in a points league and he does get the start on Saturday, it'll be a really good opportunity for him to rack up some saves against the Hurricanes, uh, who love to shoot the puck. Not always, you know, the, the most high danger chances either. Um, so, yeah, he'll definitely be whoever is in net on Saturday uh, should easily be, you know, 30 plus saves for the Rangers, regardless of what the score ends up being. So in a points league, I still think he's a viable option Saturday if you're kind of desperate and looking for a big play. Yeah, the, uh, the Rangers after Saturday's game are off again until Wednesday, so I don't think that they have any concerns about, you know, starting Shesterkin too many days in a row. He'll get a nice break, even if they save him for Saturday. And they've had they've had no hesitation to go to Halak uh, this year. And, you know, he yeah. got off to a pretty miserable start to the season, but his last six games, he's won all six of them with a 926 save percentage. He's been absolutely lights out as of late. So uh, they have no concerns, and, and you know, you know, they just traded for Vladimir Tarasenko, so I don't even think, you know, if the fans want to see Shesterkin tomorrow, they got nothing to complain about right. because sure. they've got a new shiny toy uh, coming to town tomorrow. Yeah, and I, I think we did see it once earlier in the year where they started Shesterkin on both games, but like you said, Halak was struggling more at the time, and yeah, we haven't seen it since. It didn't go too well. Uh, and then even earlier this week, right, coming off the All-Star break, they went to Halak. He started the last game before the All-Star break. Then Shesterkin went to the All-Star break, and then they gave him the first game coming out of the yeah. All-Star break. I think it was the first time all season Halak started two in a row, but that yeah. just goes to show they really don't care, and they've got plenty of faith in Halak, and he's given them reason to believe in him lately. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then finally, we got my favorite spot start of the weekend, Charlie Lindgren, 19% owned of the Washington Capitals. 
Unlike the Leafs and Rangers, the Caps back-to-back is actually Saturday and Sunday, which is great because that means their backup goalie, Lindgren, is more likely to avoid the busy slate on Saturday in favor of a Sunday start, which could obviously really swing your matchup. And you know if he's starting on Sunday, there's only four games, only eight goalies out there. Most of them are already going to be owned, if not all of them. Uh, So if you are slow to get Lindgren, like I said, he's going to get snapped up on Sunday. Ownership will probably drop 15% in one day and then drop right back down. Um, So yeah, and who do the Capitals play on Sunday, you ask? It's a great question. They are hosting the lowly Sharks. Maybe the one start better than the Blue Jackets right now. Or they've actually played. Par. They've actually played pretty well. Yeah, they, and their power play is a, a threat. Yeah. So you know, I walk it back a little bit. Second best possible start, yeah. I'll say. Uh, so all systems go here. You can roll Lingren confidently. The only slight knock you could have on the start is the fact that the Sharks will have two days of rest between uh, their game on tonight on Thursday and Sunday's game. Whereas the Capitals, as we said, will have to travel to Boston on Saturday uh, before playing the Sharks on Sunday. But still, Caps will be a heavy, heavy favorite in that game. Uh, and Lindgren will be a terrific start on Sunday to close the week. So I got Lindgren at one, Wool at two. And like I said, hopefully Wool gets the game Friday just because it'd be nice to get him on that quieter slate. Uh, and then Halak is the third option. Yeah, there's a pretty good chance, I think, that you get, you know, maybe all three of them. If you're desperate on Friday, you could probably get Halak and Wool in there if yeah. they both start. Get Lindgren on Sunday as well and really kind of steal some starts this weekend. You got probably two goalies going on Saturday. You could really go in five starts this weekend. Uh, the thing about Lindgren, too, is. You know, if you look at the rest of these games um, on Sunday, you've got Vegas and Anaheim. You're going to see Logan Thompson. You know, maybe Aiden Hill gets that game, but they've got two days off in between, so it's probably Logan Thompson. Seattle and Philadelphia, you know, it's going to be Martin Jones. He's already high-owned. San Jose and Washington, we just talked about that. You're not going to start San Jose's goalie. You're probably not starting Philly's backup against the Kraken, and then you're certainly not starting whoever starts for Montreal against... Edmonton, yeah. and then you're not going to get your hands on Edmonton's backup goalie because Jack Campbell's been outrageously good, and he's up to like 70% on now. Yeah, and Stuart Skinner's, so, I think, is also about 70% yep. still. So, uh, yeah, so that's why I say. You got to get on Lingren early if you can. If you know, And there's probably a good chance you can make that move on Saturday. You'll probably have a full lineup of players already. Uh, so, yeah, if, if you're chasing starts this weekend... You know, I think there's a good chance that at least one of Wool or Halak start Friday. So you could, like we said, pick them up Friday. Sure. Worst case, you know, if they don't go, uh, if you already have the starts on Saturday, then you get out ahead of it and grab Lingren. Because Lingren, like I said, his ownership is going to double on Sunday. For sure. Yeah. And, and if it works out well, then Wool starts on uh, on Friday drop his ass and, and pick up Lingren for Sunday, and you are looking pretty. All right, uh, Beeb's still not here, so let's get into this Vladimir Tarasenko trade. We'll sure. break this one down while we wait for Beeb's. Uh, huge trade today in case you missed it. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko was sent from the St. Louis Blues to the New York Rangers along with Nico Mikola, left-handed defenseman who's now expected to serve as the Rangers' third pair. Defenseman on the left side next to Braden Schneider. In return, the Blues got Sammy Blayback. He was sent originally to the Rangers as a part of the Pavel Buchnevich trade. He goes back to St. Louis along with prospect Hunter Skinner in conditional 2023 first round pick and a conditional 2024 fourth round pick. Uh, the conditions on those tr- uh, picks, the Rangers have two picks in 2023, two first round picks, so they just get the later of the two picks. It's either the Rangers or the Dallas Stars pick, which they acquired in the Niels Lundqvist deal. Mm. Um, And then the conditional fourth-round pick becomes a 2024 third-round pick if the New York Rangers make the playoffs. So likely going to be a first and a third-round pick going to St. Louis, um, who also retained 50% of Vladimir Tarasenko's cap hit. 
I just want to start by saying I don't get why people are surprised or make a big deal about when this happens on expiring contracts. Mm-hmm. Like, unless the team doesn't already have three contracts they're retaining on, like, why would they not retain that deal? It's so hard to move a $7 million contract to a contending team in the middle of the season. Like, you should just assume that if an expiring contract is getting traded, 50% of it has been retained. Yeah, and, and I think the, the one thing that's really worth noting in this trade is that the Blues hands were tied, right? Like yeah. Tarasenko was really in control of where he was going. So I was it, surprised that they took this package this early because I feel like they could have waited and gotten a similar package up until deadline. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe they're concerned with his injury history. You never know. But I think that if a couple of the other dominoes fell first, they probably could have got a better return. Maybe just less conditions on the first, maybe an unprotected first. Yeah, I, I guess there's two ways of looking at it, right? If if Patrick Kane and, and Timo Meyer yes. go first, then maybe the price for... Or if they don't go at all, right? Or yeah, But if they both go, maybe the price for Tarasenko goes up. If there's a team that missed out on Meyer and Kane, maybe Tarasenko's price goes up. Uh, but then also, if they get traded, maybe there's... That's just also two less teams that would be interested in Tarasenko and maybe his price would go down. It's really hard to, to yeah. say how many teams are really going in looking to, to buy on Tarasenko at the moment, but um, he's in New York. He's likely going to be on the top line with Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin. Uh, at the very least, I imagine he's going to be playing with Panarin. They are very good buddies. Um, so whether it's you know they reunite Kreider and... Uh, Zabanajad on the top line, and maybe we see Panarin, Trocek, uh, Tarasenko on the second line remains to be seen. Either way, Tarasenko and Panarin will likely be together, and that should bode very well for both of these guys. I really think that playing with a, a passer like Panarin is going to really obviously help boost Tarasenko's numbers from this season. He's been struggling after kind of a resurgent year last year, and then Conversely, Panarin's not really had the greatest season either, and and getting an absolute sniper like Tarasenko on his line should help boost his assist total. So great trade for both of these. I think maybe the one potential loser in this deal is maybe a Chris Kreider, because if he ends up playing more of a third-line role behind the kind of newfound Lafreniere, Heidel, Kako second line, then maybe he's the one kind of loser in all of this. But I really don't think that there's any big losers other than um, maybe Sammy Blay owners. Yeah, I guess. Or Ben Harper, who just signed a contract and is now seemingly uh, going to be a healthy scratch for the foreseeable future. So, um, But no, I you know maybe they go 11-7 and seven a bit. Anyway, uh, we're not trying to focus in on Ben Harper here. Uh, I, I think Trocek could be a real beneficiary here. You know, he's really kind of lagged uh, behind the usage he's gotten, really hasn't fallen in line with his production to date. I, I know we've all been pretty surprised uh, with Trocek and kind of what he has or more accurately hasn't been able to produce with the Rangers so far. Um, but he's been respectable to the tune of 14 uh, goals and 21 assists, 35 points in 51 games. So, you know, it's probably getting to the point where a lot of people, if they haven't already, are considering dropping Trocek. So you might find him on the wire, but he's still shooting three shots a game, still playing a ton. He's over 20 minutes a night on the season. Um, and the 5v5 production has just been a little bit lacking. So uh, I do think that, you know, it could definitely help him if the lines shake out like that. But it's far from a sure thing. I wouldn't go out, uh, you know, trying to send an offer for him just because he could get bumped from the power play and he could not be playing with any of these guys, right? Maybe he's just playing with Kreider. So we don't quite know how it's going to shake out, but I do think if Trocek did get dropped recently in your league, yeah, it's worth just going out and, and grabbing him until we kind of figure out how these lines are, are really going to shake out. I think it's great for Tarasenko. I, I think it's awesome for Zibanejad. I, I think it helps his ceiling a little bit more the rest of the way because it just guarantees that he's either going to be playing with, uh, you know, most likely two of the three of Panarin, yeah. 
Tarasenko and Kreider. So that's why I agree with you in the way the projection you have currently with Tarasenko, uh, Panarin's advantage at up front, because I really think one of the keys to doing this trade is it allows them just to absolutely stop that or uh, stack that top line with reckless abandon, right? You don't have to worry about what the rest of the lineup looks like right now. You got Trocek centering the line. You got the Heidel line, which is absolutely clicking. Um, so yeah, I think they are absolutely going to do that. And like you said, it makes the most sense with Panarin, Tarasenko having that relationship that they at least starts out that way. So uh, yeah, I think Zibanejad's a big winner. Tarasenko, obviously, I, I think he's, you know, he, it's not like he was playing 21 minutes a night in St. Louis. So I think he's going to see similar ice time with the Rangers. Um, similar power play, you know, people might be surprised to see that the Blues were actually, I think, about a top 10 power play so far this season. So probably not a big uh, uptick in production there, and he might start on the second unit. Yeah, that they, they didn't really have any answers immediately as to where he was going to slot in on the power play. And, and given how good this uh, Rangers power play has been, you know, over the years, they haven't been maybe quite as good this year. So does he fit factor in there and bump Trocheck from that top unit? I that's, don't really that's see the one you would think, I really right? don't know where he fits in in that scheme, um, the way that Trocheck does. So maybe he is just kind of somebody that bolsters that second unit, which is also, you know, got some firepower with Heidel, who's on a tear, Lafreniere, Kako, Truba. So, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out. I definitely think Trocheck would be the guy to lose his spot. Yeah. Um, but we'll see how that shakes out. Regardless, I do think that, you know, the 5v5 production will definitely see an uptick. And, uh, yeah, like, th- this top six is or top nine is looking really scary right now. And I do think that th- they've still kind of got some more chips. I mean, Kraftsoff hasn't been playing a bunch. They could move somebody like him um, and really kind of find somebody uh, to solidify that third line. I mean, if you think about it, and you've got a, a Panarin, Zibanejad, Tarasenko top line. If that Lafreniere, Heidel, Kako line continues to play well, if you can add a third piece to that Kreider, Trocek, line on the your second third line whichever way you want to rank them that's a really dangerous top nine like I don't know how much room they have to continue to 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 fit contracts and I know they're already pretty much up against it so th- this might be it for them but um you know there's also some cheap deals out there if they move out a guy like Kraftsoff it'll make some room so we'll see how things all shake out you know maybe Kraftsoff gets back in a lineup and is somebody that can can still click in that top six I saw a couple line projections today uh that had kind of like Kreider's Abanajad Crafts uh, off on the top line, and then Panarin, Trocheck, Tarasenko on the second line, and yeah. then the kid line on the third. So, lots of different configurations. I think Gerard Gallant's probably really happy. And the one thing that's really interesting is Panarin and Zibanejad have been playing together, and it really hasn't been all that productive. Like they haven't been that outstanding. So uh, maybe this is just a, a they, they saw this opportunity. Like okay, we can get Tarasenko, put him with Panarin and Zibanejad, and really spark that top line and become an absolute force. So uh, I, I find it extremely interesting that uh, you know this comes a, you know a week after the Islanders go out and get Bo Horvat. Yeah. This is kind of their answer. We've had the Devils being rumored uh, to be going after Timo Meyer pretty heavily. So could become a it's a real arms race getting underway here in the metropolitan division and and obviously Meyer is the type of player that I think would fit into that um, New Jersey team seamlessly. Yeah, and it it's exactly be, what they need. It's exactly what they need. It would be an absolute perfect fit. And those three teams, uh, the Islanders still, I think, got some work to do, but they've looked a lot better with Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat and, and Barzell have looked I, really, really solid together. We talked together. about that, right? We didn't know what was going to happen down the middle and talked about probably Barzell. a chance that someone would move to the wing. Yeah. And the fact that it's Barzell has me... So excited. Like, it, I, I he think looks, that is so he, great, and it's for fantasy purposes, it is absolute best-case scenario. He looks outstanding on the wing. He looks comfortable. He's just an absolute wizard. It's a tremendous, tremendous playmaker, and then now he's got a, a, a bona fide stud goal scorer in the middle just waiting, just 
and a great two-way player yeah. in Horvat too. And you take that defensive burden off of Barzal, which has always been, you know, his biggest sticking point, especially with his coaching staff, right? That's yeah. always kind of held back his ice time. So, I, yeah, I think it's it's fantastic. I was really happy to see uh, their line shake out that way. It makes the most sense because they are so deep down the middle. Um, and, you know, that fourth line still plays a lot of minutes. So it makes sense that they would want to keep that together, keep Suzuki centering that line. So, yeah, it, it actually has me excited to watch some Islander hockey. Games. Yeah, and of of kind of their their trio or, or four centers, now five, Barzell really kind of has the skill set that makes the most sense on the wing. And it, it's looked good so far. The sample size is obviously still really small. Um, after you guys listen to this episode, it will be three games. But coming into tonight, um, defensively, they've been quite solid. So... Uh, if if Horvat can really kind of solidify that line altogether, I think that that makes them a much more dangerous team. Um, I don't know what what are your feelings on the Devils here now that Jack Hughes is out week to week with an upper body injury. To me, seems like maybe something was just a little bit lingering. They're like, let's just get him shut down now, make sure he's healthy. You know, when it, 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 we get to crunch time, do you think though that this increases? the likelihood that they make a trade sooner rather than later. Like they're like, okay, we got to get maybe somebody in to help uh, solidify things while Jack's out. Yeah, I would think so. And also maybe they look to move for a centerman, which hasn't really been talked about. Right. Which is why I think Henrique makes a whole lot of sense. Cause he can play down the middle and then when they get healthy, you can move him back out wide. Uh, Cause yeah, if you look at this lineup right now, like we have like maybe two natural centermen, which is always kind of a scary prospect. I know Holla can go in and out. Um, but Dawson Mercer has been on the wing most of his NHL career. He yeah. has played some some center, obviously back to the middle tonight. But yeah. yeah, I don't think the ideal situation is to have Eric Howla and Dawson Mercer both playing center. Yeah, to, same thing though. Henrique hasn't played a ton of center in recent years either. But I do think that he's probably a little bit more of a natural fit than both of those guys at the moment. Yeah, I agree. But uh, I just wanted to pull up here. Let's go. I just want to see how much cap space this team has because it's going to be it, it, like if all these teams are making moves, it's going to be so interesting. And you, you know, you still got the uh, you know the Pittsburgh Penguins playing pretty well in that division as well. I mean, things are are you know heating up quickly. You've got the Carolina Hurricanes, obviously outstanding hockey team as well. Like you've got six really really good teams in the mix here in the Metropolitan Division. Did you say the Capitals. It, well, the Capitals as well. I, I didn't. I, I know. I know I they don't. To mention I'd, them, I'd say they're probably a tier below the rest, but certainly still a threat in in their own right, and not a team you'd want to, you know, match up against on any given. Yeah, and team. I don't think I'm a hundred percent ready to say that the Islanders, by making this trade, are better than the Capitals at all. Yeah. Right? Like they're kind of maybe that's the second tier. I think. I think the real thing is maybe it's it's Carolina, New Jersey, New York Rangers as one tier, and then yeah. maybe Washington, Pittsburgh, and, and New York Islanders as as a. A second tier, That's but uh, you know, it's been interesting. Really, bring bring up the Capitals here. It's been interesting. We really thought that we would see maybe a little bit more out of Nick Backstrom. Tom Wilson obviously got hurt again, but it hasn't been a whole lot uh, of noise. Obviously, coming off of two major injuries, they're going to have to kind of get back into the swing of things. But life life comes at you fast in the NHL. This Washington team's really got to get their legs underneath them quickly, or they're going to fall out of the race. Especially, you know, how much these other teams around them are improving. Yeah, I no, I I totally. Agree, and it's hard just, you know, thinking about the playoffs, them having to play through the Metro Division or, you know, best case getting matched up with Boston and the, um, out of the Atlantic. It's it's hard to imagine them taking a seven-game series against any of these teams. Even the Islanders, I, I think the Islanders have them matched on paper right now. Um, but, I mean, a big part of this is John Carlson's out, so I, I think that is a massive, massive piece. You take away the top defensemen of, of any of these teams, yep. uh, and they're not going to look quite the same. Uh, and they are still kind of getting healthy and figuring out what that looks like with, with them all being healthy, right? I think they're uh, a little bit lacking of the top-tier talent that they've had in, in recent years, and 
Uh, but I do still think this is a very deep team. Like you have Lars Eller as your fourth line center, right? Like I, those four centers still stack up pretty nicely. Eller, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, uh, and Strom. Not even just... mentioning Nick Dowd, who's typically the fourth line center and out with injury right now too. So Eller would maybe even be the odd man out in that situation. Yeah, yeah. It's your fifth center, which is even crazy deep. At the moment, uh, only $2 million projected cap space um, at the deadline for the Devils. So definitely some work to be done if they want to make a big splash like the Islanders and the Rangers have already. But anyways, that's going to do it for the first half of the Season 8, Episode 29 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast. Enjoy the Blue Stones. When we get back, Biebs will join us. We will talk about... I guess are not necessarily second-half breakouts, but guys that we think that you should be targeting that will have big second halves and are kind of like league winners, under-the-radar league-winning uh, type of moves that you can make that'll really bolster your roster heading down the stretch. So enjoy the Boost Owens. We'll see you back here in 60 seconds. Baby, be my fire. Baby, be my When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 8, Episode 29 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast. Uh, Very Dylan Dubé episode. Yeah, appreciate you guys hanging around. I was going to say Felix Popman, but I like that one too. Dylan Dubé, way bigger superstar. And here is Biebs. I was going to introduce him, but he could not even wait. No. <laughs> Not a Welcome to the show, Beeves. How you doing? Just so excited. Uh, fresh off of Spitfire's victory. Shane Wright, though, not in attendance. Well, he's probably in attendance, but not playing 
He so. did just as much on the ice as you did tonight. Yeah, absolutely. If so you like me, LeBron, he just Shane gets right. an NBA player. He just did, gets rest nights all the time. Did you yeah. see? Beeb shared a thing with me today that like people spent like four, like over uh, thousands of dollars on yes. tickets to go to the game, thinking yeah. he might break the record there, and then he did. He already broke the record, and then he literally didn't even play tonight. Yeah, yeah he's just having a rest day. Yeah, it's That's, so funny. Unless yeah. you're like a celeb buying courtside seats, like what's the point of even going to that? Like you just watch it at home. On, I don't know. No, I agree. I would like, you, and you could get like twenty tickets for the yeah, price. Yeah, and that LeBron one. didn't start shooting threes until like halfway through his career. Like he's not gonna like someone's gonna pass him. Like one of these guys, he's. I mean, maybe 10, 15 years will hold on to that record, but he's going to get passed before long. They just keep shooting more threes, but not a basketball podcast, Bob. Just saying, I, would like, have loved I don't think it's that re- special of a moment. Like, yeah, like Kareem stood for 40 years, but uh, there's just more scoring now. So, yeah, he's not going to hold on to it for that Sounds long. like we could do a decent job being a basketball podcast, but we aren't. We are a hockey podcast. Let's get back into things. As we uh, told you guys in the first half of the show, in the second half, we are going to be talking about players that we think that you can target in trades right now that could be potential league winners for you, guys that you can probably get for a reasonable price right now or close to reasonable price that we think their value is only going to increase from this point forward. Uh, the first couple names we've talked about quite a bit in the first half of the show, the first being Vladimir Tarasenko and Artemi Panarin. Uh, Panarin. Obviously, you know Panarin and Tarasenko being together, it seems like a duo that will fit together quite nicely just given their skill sets. Panarin being a very talented playmaker, Tarasenko being a very talented scorer. We talked about how they're already buddies and they have a history together and it seems like something that is going to work. So I think... Trading for Tarasenko is going to be a little bit more difficult yes. now, obviously, than it would have been if we released this podcast yesterday. With that being said, though, do you think that he still has the potential to be more valuable in a few weeks' time than he is now? Because it's all fine and dandy to think, like, okay, here's how good it could be, but could it be even better than what we're thinking? I I, I think there's a ton of hype right now, so it'd be tough. What I would be kind of looking to do with Tarasenko is wait the first two or three games and hope he has a slow start with New York just for whatever reason, you know. Uh, maybe he's, you know, hopefully he's shooting Very realistically, should, like, could happen. Yeah, we're just talking about a couple... in a day later. Like, yeah, he, we're just talking about a couple games, right? So, uh, but yeah, I would say the ideal situation is he comes in and gets, like, four or five shots a game, two or three games, doesn't actually yeah. score or Looks do great, but doesn't Gino? Yeah, exactly. Then you make your move, because maybe someone's maybe not looking into it deeply enough, and they, you know, think that uh, it's not that great of a move. But yeah, I think he... Either way, he's a good one to target. But, yeah, I agree that the hype is probably too much right now. Panarin, on the other hand, probably, you know, similar. I Maybe he's got some hype tied to the to the Tarasenko trade. But uh, I think he's a guy, uh, personally, and I would be touting, and, and probably you guys, too, would be touting for uh, a pretty big second-half breakout or at least, a uh, you know, somewhat of a bounce back either way. Uh, he's shooting just 9% on the year, just 12 goals in 51 games. Um, so that's where you really expect to see uh, a nice bounce back the rest of the way. You know, he's not a major goal threat. He's always been a pass first guy. Um, but you know, he's on pace for about like 21, 22 goals right now. I expect him to be more towards that 30 goal, uh, Mm -hmm. player that we expect to see at least for his pace the rest of the way out. And obviously now with Tarasenko there, you feel better about his assist climbing up a little bit higher, maybe getting closer to a point or an assist per game. Like he'd been at the last few seasons with the Rangers, uh, eight points, one goal in his last 11 games. Yeah, you could definitely, I think in the leagues where uh, goals are a little heavier than assists, pull this one off. And like you said, you know, Tarasenko's going to take the deep, those strong defenders a little bit away. If they even give him 
0.2 seconds of space, Panarin can do things that equal goals with that. And that might just be what he needed to get himself back to, you know, a 30-goal score. So You don't think Jimmy Vc does that for him right now? Yeah, I just don't think that that $750,000 contract uh, attached to his wing is doing it. Not uh, scaring the opposition away. Year. Yeah. No, but uh, no, I think they're 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 both great. And Tarasenko, I mean, we're like model of consistency. Obviously, didn't hear the first half, but I'm sure you guys talked about it. What is it here? Seven, well, just to, 33 uh, goal seasons or more in his career. I, this guy's like, I mean, that's just that's it right there. We're looking at like patch ready type goal goal production. I mean, last year it's easy to forget that just a season ago he had 34 goals, 48 assists, 82 points in 75 games. Ridiculously productive. And he played under 17 minutes a night last year. Yeah. 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 And we're going to see those shot totals go up. Obviously, he's not. He's proven before um, in all six of those seasons. So it is six seasons that he did have more than 33 goals that he's easily capable of 200 shots because in each of those, he had more than 230. So this year, the 103 things are kind of crappy in St. Louis. So I think, too, like it's easy to say, you know, maybe he's not going to see more ice time or the situation maybe didn't improve that much. But Panarin averages over 20 minutes a night like there's a realistic chance that Tarasenko goes and he's playing 19 20 minutes a night where in St. Louis he's playing around 17 consistently because that's a team that likes to roll four lines you know really liked using their third line as a checking line and used them probably a little bit more like the the Rangers yeah the the Rangers fourth line is gonna see six seven minutes a night so the rest of their top six is gonna see a lot more minutes and there's a realistic opportunity that Tarasenko steps in and plays 19 minutes a night and is you know he's an extra two minutes a night for Tarasenko can go a very long way. So was uh, was he playing with O'Reilly when he was in St. Louis? Because he would. I mean, if, if he year. was, I was going to say that would almost this could affect him in a positive way. That O'Reilly's just so good defensively that Tarasenko yeah, might he, start he seeing just better. He better didn't position. spend a ton of time with okay. O'Reilly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's th- why his minutes. Yeah, were yeah, we're kind of down. Were. Yeah, yeah. But you, like, in a way, yeah, it's almost nice to get away from the O'Reilly minutes because of how good O'Reilly is defensively. Like this year, he spent the majority of his ice time with with Robert Thomas, and it was much of the same last even, year even Robert Thomas Kyrou uh you know, Thomas Buchnevich Tarasenko was kind of their key line a season ago and it's been Shen when it has been Thomas he's got about 140 minutes with Shen as well so. yeah O'Reilly hasn't really played a whole lot lately either so um yeah I think Tarasenko could realistically be in for an increase in minutes and and it, things could get you know a lot better I mean it's been um a long time I think before, you know since we've seen Tarasenko play that many minutes um not since 2018 has he been up above 19 minutes uh Panarin again not much changes really obviously for him he's going to be in the exact same role just has a little bit more of a potent goal scorer on his wing and we talked about how the power play hasn't you know maybe quite been uh or lived up to its potential this year I think it's about about 13 14th in the league right now cooking around 21 percent uh don't know how it's going to shake out we talked about that all, a lot already in the first half but certainly would make a lot of sense for Tarasenko to eventually take Trocek's role. And I think that could have a real benefit on the power play. You take a guy who's really just playing that bumper role net front. Maybe you put Kreider into that role and then you got another excellent shot uh, available on the outside. So I, I think that could help the power play production as well. Another guy that we talked about a little bit in the first half already that we want to touch on a little bit more is Matt Barzell. Um, again, this is probably one where if we recorded a couple days earlier, I think it would his value would have been a little bit lower. Even but, just a day after the Horvat trade, right? Yeah, exactly. But now, you know, things are looking up. He has 
uh, points in four straight games. Now, what did he finish with tonight? I think at it was a goal and assist. At least a goal and an assist tonight. So that gives him points in four straight. Uh, the other thing that hasn't happened yet, but is certainly to happen, is Barzell is, is bound to get uh, right-wing eligibility at yep. some point as well. So uh, right now, he's a strict centerman, and obviously that's something that's going to make him a lot more valuable in, in, in a week or a couple days' time at least. So uh, there's a lot to like about Barzell. We talked about it. The fit with Bo Horvat seems to be... Uh, you know, it looks really good, and, and Barzell definitely looks comfortable on the wing, and that's really, um, you know, for me, the most consistent thing is, is, or most important thing is consistent line mates for Barzell. This year, like, Nelson and Lee have kind of been tied at the hip, Parise Peugeot have been tied at the hip, and Barzell's been kind of just left with the scraps. His, his most... Uh, utilized linemate prior to the Horvat trade was Josh Bailey. Yep. They played a lot with Oliver Wallstrom. It sounds like Wallstrom's out for the season now. So he really didn't have anybody to be like, hey, this is my go-to guy. And now, even there, we're talking about like guys that have been any other team's like. Yeah, I mean, Wallstrom was having a really nice year. But yeah, yeah, to your point, like neither one of them are Bo Horvat for yeah. sure. So having a consistent linemate with the talent of, of Bo Horvat is definitely um, going to be helpful for him. Uh, they had another really good night tonight. 83%, Corsi 4%. Uh, the expected goals for uh, 81.5% 80, expected goals for share. So another really strong night for that line. It's uh, it's so great. Like <laughs> I, it was such a concern or just, we weren't sure. Like I said, I, I know we talked about this a bit on the first half already, but weren't sure how those lines were going to shake out. And this is just absolutely best case scenario for both Borja Horvat coming over, who looks like he's just going to continue the role he had in Vancouver uh, and Barzal, who, you know, we thought would be the one whose minutes would really take a hit because they, you know, Compared to the other centers, they just don't trust him as much uh, defensively, right? But now you put a tremendous two-way centerman with him, and Barzell goes from being a below-average defensive center to an above-average defensive winger yeah. working off the wall, and it's just been all roses so far. And instead of you know potentially being a hit on his ice time, uh, he's averaged 18.46 on the season. He's been above 20 minutes two of the three yeah. games that Horvat has played. It should so. help just you know having yeah. that defensive guy. Exactly, that I think you know him. exactly they're not going to worry about it, and he's going to get on the ice in a lot more situations that he wouldn't have got in before because Horvat's centering that line. And like I said, he's becomes a uh, below average defensive option in the middle above on the outside. So it's great. One of the funniest things was, uh, I think it was Bo Horvat's first game. That line started and one of the beats was like, this is the first time in like, I honestly cannot remember how long that Barzell's line has started a game. It's right. like, it's just a totally, it's you like a cosmic off the, off the bat. Yeah. It, it's yeah. just a cosmic shift for Barzell's usage. And it, and it, it, it only um, can mean good things. Cosmic shift. The, the other it. thing that that's kind of interesting is right now it's Josh Bailey, um, but at the deadline and and if Wallstrom is, is um, to miss the rest of the season, they can LTIR him. He doesn't carry a big cap hit, but it gives him a little bit more flexibility. This team at the moment, according to Cap Friendly, eight point six million dollars in deadline space. Yeah. So this is still a team that Max it, it, if, if they are able to get back into the into the thick of things here in the Eastern Conference. They could realistically try to go after a, another decent winger to improve that Josh Bailey uh, winger. Wouldn't would I be surprised? Lou is 80 years old. I don't think he's yeah. too worried about trading away Good future quote, draft though, picks the other at day this point. The, uh... He's going to be 88 when that contract expires, which is crazy. Lindros. Uh, he's still. Do I, I mean, credit to Lou, man. Like, we all, you know, kind of turned our nose up in that trade a little bit. He was able to re-sign Horvat long-term at a reasonable enough number. Yeah. Um, and yeah, now this, you know, they really do look like a better hockey team. You know, they've fallen apart defensively. It's probably, you can just chalk it up to some, you know. Yeah. Uh, Sorokin's been a beast. Like, just help yeah, the guy he had a, a he had a bad bit, game tonight. Man. So I, I wouldn't, yeah, 
I wouldn't look into it too much more than that. Broke and it's an emotional streak. To- yeah, it's an emotional game too with Horvat playing the Canucks. So I wouldn't be too worried about the six goals. I, they, yeah, they look great. And credit to Lou. And but I do think that um, you know, even though they've kind of mortgaged some of the future already, I don't think he would hesitate to, to do more because yeah, you've kind of already pushed your chips in the middle yeah. at this point. There's Your're pieces out there too. Like there's 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 a lot of lot of rentals. I mean. Yeah, I think the one thing about better. the Horvat trade is it just brought in a little bit of like he's young, but a little bit of youth. You look at their, the core of this team. I mean, Honors Lee thirty two, Brock Nelson thirty one, Josh Bailey thirty three, Peugeot thirty, Kyle Palmieri thirty two. It's an old team, yeah, up front. Imagine he just brings in Patty Kane and just like says, you know what? Let's do it. it. Chips are. It. Here's he could also another guy. We said Henrique's name so much already, but it's another guy that could look to bring back a former player of his in, in Henrique that he had in New Jersey. So and it would he'd fit very nicely on yep. that left wing, similar to where he's playing right now, and give them even more depth down the middle in case of injuries. Okay, another guy that we talked about a little bit in the first half of the show, but he hasn't been traded yet, but we figure he is due to be traded. Is Timo Meyer? Mm. Timo Meyer is. This year's Eric, I almost said Eric Lindros. You said him earlier. Uh, I was <laughs> thinking of Philadelphia Flyer. NHL Claude Giroux. He's this year's Claude Giroux because one of two things can happen. One, he could go to the perfect spot like Claude Giroux did last year, and his value stays the same or goes up depending on you know where he lands. Or he goes somewhere where his his um, ice time decreases. Yeah. To me, obviously, if you're going out and you're getting Timo Meyer, an absolute bona fide stud. He's probably still playing 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. or eight, at least to, 18. Right, so that's a and, He's playing 20 right now. And so realistically, he loses a couple minutes. It's only going to get better with the team he's going to. San Jose is just so terrible scoring otherwise. Like, this team is 27th in the league in shots with a player that's second in the league in shots on goal and Timu Meyer, currently second behind Pasternak. Um, so he's getting no help out there. So, you know, take a couple minutes away from the San Jose stuff, add in a winger who could actually, you know, in a sentiment and who could – no offense to Couture, but you know, as someone who can put up a point, close to a point per game or actually produce, and yeah, uh, I, I think guess it'll even out. My only concern would be that with Tomash Hurdle this year, I mean, their offensive, their underlying numbers are outstanding. It, you know, I it, power it's hard. plays junk though. Too, yeah, twentieth. Yep, no doubt. Yeah, go anywhere it, better. It could, it could go. It could definitely get better if you go to New Jersey and you're with Hughes and Dougie Hamilton. Like things get better if he lands with with Jack Hughes. Like it's a totally different yeah. story, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, yes. Yeah. I mean, they're twenty-one point sure. six with the Devils. The Sharks are twenty percent this year, so. Yeah. But I, I agree. If he ends up on Jack Hughes's wing, I mean, I mean, realistically, how, how many shots is that? Like Jack Hughes averages like seven shots a game. Dougie yeah. Hamilton averages like seven shots a game. Timo Meyer averages like seven shots a game. <laughs> Who's gonna? Who are they, they gonna might, get fifty? I shots think they're a all game? closer to four. Yeah. Four and a half. They might knock <laughs> off uh, your boys in Buffalo for the league league in shots yeah. per game, which is bonkers in itself. They. Uh, like to me, he has to land on the perfect spot. Yeah. But he's he going, needs to land on a on a better power. He's player. going to yeah, a contender. He that's probably will. But there's a couple spots that he could potentially end up where it would be like almost like the Devils, where the power play would be more of like a lateral move. But yeah, Carolina with Sebastian Ajo. That's what I mean. But their power play traditionally and this year not yeah. that great. They're I de- do th- actually dead even with the Sharks at twenty percent on the year. So I do think it's worth that risk though if you can like get get. Realistically, get him at all right now. Um, just like yeah, he's proving he can do yeah, it. Yeah, I wouldn't overpay, goals. but I would definitely pay. Yeah. for what he's been so far. A point like if per someone's game willing to go one for one, and yeah. you're like, hey, you know what? Maybe like he's. I don't think he's going to go down. Yeah, much. And, and I do agree that there's potential for more upside, but I think yeah, he's got to end up at the right spot because it's got to come from the power play because he's probably going to see less time at five v five. We could yeah. be wrong. He could end up in a spot where you know there's a lot of minutes available on the top six wing, but. Just not usually the way it works out with contending teams. So I think the power plays is 
his best route. But I, I agree that either way, I think he's fine to continue what he's doing. And at the very least, it's going to improve his plus minus moving forward. Oh, yeah. And can't he could get, get people that are worse. maybe a little bit worried about what a trade is going to do to his value. And I, I'm not worried about his production falling off at all. It's more just about finding that perfect spot so the upside can, can really show us. You, you could make an argument that he's going to improve whichever power play he goes to as well. For sure. 13 of yeah. his 30 goals this season have come via the power play. Definitely. So, And you could definitely make the argument that that power play is going to crater once they trade him. Yeah. So. It's Ooh, just, it's oh, absolutely. That team is going to crater. But um, they don't have to trade him, right? That's the other thing. Yes. Nope. They have that they massive don't. qualifying offer they'd have to give him, right? At the, the $10 million or whatever that he would be due. Yep. But he is an RFA compared to, obviously, these other guys yeah. that we've been talking about are UFAs, and the teams are kind of a little bit more hamstrung. And, and in a way, you might be able to work that for yourself. Yeah. If you want to, you know, work someone's ear and say he's not going anywhere, he's still on pace for 45 goals. He's still second in league in shots. It's absolutely bonkers that any team, that teams are even allowed to shop for a guy who's second in league in yep. shots right now. So, yeah. Crazy to think that just a couple years ago, this man had 31 points in 54 games, and we were like, oh, man, we are never jumping off the Timo train, and he is yeah. just an absolute Timo. stud nice. now. He came through for us in a big, big way. Thanks, Thanks. team. Love the Speaking Swiss. of the New Jersey Devils, Nico Heischer is now... Love the Swiss. Yeah. Back to the Swiss. Speaking of the Swiss. Nico Heischer is a guy that... I mean, I don't know how many more minutes he can play. He's already averaging up over 19 minutes a night. Love him. But Jack Hughes is out for a couple of weeks at least. Uh, or at least they're calling him week to week. So yeah. we'll see. But he's going to miss some time. This is going to put some stress on the Devils. And um, D, we talked about this in the first half. You know... You would imagine that maybe now this shifts their focus potentially from a guy like Timo Meyer to maybe somebody like Adam Henrique who can play center, who can yeah. play the wing and fill in for Jack Hughes. Maybe they go move. after both of them. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. But with Eric Howla, Dawson Mercer, Michael McLeod down the middle behind him now without Jack Hughes, you have to imagine that they're going to be leaning on Nico a little bit heavier yeah. moving forward. So it's proven he can do it. The other thing that's very interesting about Nico Heischer is that Andre Palat is suddenly playing yeah. very, very well. I don't know um, if you heard, but I look like <laughs> Nico Heischer pointless in his last three games as well. Maybe a little bit of a cold streak. People are getting a little bit nervous. If you date it back a little bit further, 17 points in his last 22 games. So it's cooling off a touch. If you, see, you, know, if you back up over 20 minutes a night no. with Jack Hughes out, Heischer should be work this injury as hard as you can on people, this huge injury, you know, it, oh, they just lost a perenni- a potential MVP yeah. candidate. Where's it going to go? You know, make people seem like... Play the power play angle, over. right? Because I do think it hurts the power play. It but. hurts the power play, yeah. But, um, I mean, this is a guy where I think right now you can almost... Maybe not... Uh, there, there's a lot of players floating around this close to point per game, so I think you can almost snake him away from teams who... Maybe you're scared that, you know, Hughes is gone. And this is a guy, last year, second half of the season... One of the hottest skaters out there, over a point per game um, in his last 37, which for him was his second half because he got hurt for a couple because it's classic Nico. Yeah. Um, 21 goals. Already tied his career high. So he's, he's he's clearly proven that, you know, he has that scoring touch. Someone's going to need to take. We talked about how many shots Jack Hughes takes. Somebody's going to need to take it. And with a couple more minutes, I just think it could really help Heischer here. Could push him over that point per game mark. And when he's, you know, on pace for 35, 35, realistically 38, 38, um, that's not bad. So if you can snake that off someone, maybe even make them a trade, uh, trade them someone who's an assist-heavy player and get get a guy who's, you know, evening out his goals and assists. I think he sure makes a great look down the stretch. And as we mentioned, you know, this team, they want to make the playoffs. This is a big year for them, and they will, if they have to, it's they will give him four more minutes of ice a game. Well, the other thing is we're talking about, it, you know, maybe they go out and get a Timo Meyer. 
both Swiss. Yeah. If Jack, maybe yeah. they play together. Maybe it's not Jack and Timo together. Maybe it's Nico and They do Orphan love Timo giving Jack the scraps and, and letting yeah, him carry exactly. it. Yeah, so. exactly. So maybe Nico gets Timo, like and, then that, and that makes him yeah. a completely different player as well. Yeah, and I, I agree. Like I said, I think you can really lean into the power play angle because most people probably assume that you know that's been a big source of production for Heischer. It really hasn't. He's no. got six, uh, six power play goals, eight power play assists, so 14 power play points, and that's a career high for him. He's a terrific producer at even strength uh which essentially just means he's a really good hockey player uh but yeah you know those first I, overall picks yeah i think it hurts the power play in general but at the same time like he sure should move from more of like a bumper role to being the main distributor mm-hmm. alongside dougie hamilton up top which should just get him more if anything uh power play assists so uh, yeah, I think you can really try to lean into that angle uh, because obviously Hughes doesn't play with Heischer at 5v5. They're both centermen. Um, so yeah, I, I think that the potential and the likely growth in ice time here uh, could be enough to offset any drop in power play production. So while he may not see an overall boost, I think he can hold steady with where he's been. And to your point, Beeb's a really reliable goal scorer. Uh, and you could probably get someone panicking a little bit. Just to let you guys know, their first night without Jack Hughes, two for four on the power play. Dougie, two power play goals. They were their only goals other than the empty net that the people they are starting to ask, is Jack Hughes an issue on the power play? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're asking. But uh, it is worth mentioning that, yeah, I, I do think the, you know, in the brief short term here, you could you could see a, a bump in minutes for Nico, and then who knows how much better it could get. Uh, he's just been something that we've been touting that could be like just a, an explosion in the second half as well. It seems like it's kind of on the horizon. It hasn't necessarily happened. I mean, still shooting 13.5%. On-ice shooting percentage is 12. It doesn't seem like there's much wiggle room there, um, but maybe with Jack Hughes out in a couple extra minutes could boost that uh, for the short term. And if they had a Timo Meyer and you put the Swiss connection together, this podcast will, for one, be popping off, but <laughs> yeah. for two... Buy the Devil's jersey. Yeah, 100%. Every episode will start with our update on our, we'll on just, our boys. It'll be a Hughes, though. <laughs> we'll get Chewy Hughes. I want, I want a Timo for sure, and we'll get him a Nico. We'll there just go. go to We'll go to a game for sure. Incredible. Uh, okay, let's shift our focus over to a team that isn't really making a trade anytime soon that sure. we know of, but you never know. Uh, and for me, I really like Sam Bennett's ability to be a second-half breakout or somebody that can really be a league winner. And what I like the most about uh sam bennett is he's only 67 percent owned at the moment too so like he is available on i would the say waiver wire. every i'm pretty sure in every one of my non-banger leagues he's available too like that 67 percent of leagues is driven up by uh banger leagues did so, you see who snagged him this morning yeah. before brock made this report oh yeah <clears throat> did you oh, yeah. Nice. Well, playing with kachuk and verhage right now yeah. is, is enough on its own to be picked up in all leagues i couldn't believe he opinion. was there had to uh it's a keeper league and had to let kachekov go so so at the moment, he has 34 points in just 52 games, but he's shooting just eight, 8.4%, which is well below his career mark of 102 And his on-ice shooting percentage, believe it or not, is 87 which is well below where he was at in his first two seasons with the Florida Panthers. Not to mention that uh, at the moment, he's playing on arguably you know, a top-five line in the NHL. Kachuk... Verhage and Sam Bennett have been absolutely electric among the best offensive units in the entire NHL night in and night out. Matt Kachuk looks like an absolute cheat code at this point. And Sam Bennett has been on, you know, stapled to his side for pretty much the entire season. So as I mentioned, shooting just 8.4%. If you take a look at all situations, goals scored below expected. He is 11th in the NHL. Only 10 players have 
more goals scored below expected. So he's a guy that should be bouncing back in the second half. And if you're in a non-banger league where he, he does definitely carry more value in banger leagues, he's still somebody that I think can pour in the points here in the second half. As I mentioned, that line has just been on an absolute heater. And Sam Bennett's been, been picking up points pretty regularly as of late. If you take a look back to the middle of December, 12.6 goals, 6 assists in his last 19 games. But again, just shooting uh, 11% over that time. And the on-ice shooting percentage is among the league worst as well. So uh, Sam Bennett, for me, I don't think you no. even have to trade for him. You can just go scoop yeah. him up off your wire in non-banger leagues. No, I love it um, because it, yeah, it's a little bit of a of a change up from you know kind of what we've been su- suggesting here. And uh, like you said, I think his strict center qual or um, strict center eligibility eligibility, not quality, is uh, that's actually kind of hurting right now for ownership. So for sure, you know, if these are the guys you got to jump on now. Like you said, Matt Chuck's a, key, a cheat code, and uh, he's becoming one of those players where it's like if whoever's playing with him probably want to own him. Here's what I'm thinking: I think you trade a center for Matt Barzell. Matt Barzell gets right wing eligibility. Nice. Now he's a winger, and yep. then you pick up Sam Bennett to replace that center. Now you've got Sam Bennett and Matt Barzell, who are both league winners, according to the DFO Fantasy Podcast, and then, yeah. you, then you win your league. Yeah, and then you give us thanks and uh, tell all your friends and give us high ratings. Totally agree. And I just want to add, because um, this just blows my mind how young Sam Bennett is every time I look, because yep. he's in his ninth season. He's just 26 years old. Um, and... Do you, remember you know, he- aside from the last couple of years in Florida, I mean, last year he was he did get, get moved down the lineup a little bit, but like this has kind of really been his first run in an extended role in the top six. He was always kind of hampered into a more defensive role. Uh, while in Calgary, his shot volume has just been through the roof ever since he's been with the Panthers. Um, and he's been, up until this year, with the dip in the shooting percentage, a really reliable goal scorer with the Panthers as well. So, uh, yeah, I think he's a great pickup just moving forward in general, and they seem to like him playing with Kachuk which is all I really care about yeah. in Florida these days. Uh, and Verhege's obviously a great third piece in addition to that line as well. So all that to say, I think there's some untapped potential here, and it wouldn't surprise me if Bennett just keeps uh, improving year to year. And I, it's someone that I think you should definitely keep an eye on heading into draft season next year as well. I tweeted it out the other day. The one thing that nobody on earth is talking about is the fact that Carter Verhege has 28 goals. He's so good. I had a guy tweet at me. He goes, oh, my God, bro. He's on my team, and I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. it, it, like Literally, nobody is talking about it. He has 28 goals in 52 games. It has been an absolute heater. Just to give you guys some background um, here about Carter Verhage, or sorry, Sam Bennett and Matt Kachuk. So, Bennett this year has played over three, uh, two-thirds, excuse me, of his ice time with Matt Kachuk. They are averaging... Almost four expected goals, four per 60, 45 scoring chances, almost 20 high danger. Last year, with Jonathan Huberto, who he did spend a a good amount of time with, 607 minutes in fact, you know, averaging 3.1 expected goals, four per 60, 34 scoring chances, 49. So he's been so much better with Kachuk, and he was already awesome with Huberto last year, so the numbers should just start to pile in here, and it, it and it's already kind of reflected in Verhage's numbers, and it's only it's coming for Bennett. And I would also just like to add that's been in a very restrictive uh, system change under Paul Maurice as well. Big Hasn't time. been going well. I think there's a really good chance to get another coach in there that maybe looks to play to their strengths and open it up a little bit more, which again would just uh, improve the upside of Bennett and, and also Kachuk, which is just crazy. But yeah, Kachuk could get better. I think Kachuk will be like a top three, top five fantasy player next year if they make. Uh, a coaching change to someone who's a little bit more up to speed with maybe what um, I can't think of his name. Brunette did with the Panthers last year. He's got arrested. 
Oh, tough bounce. Do I also Logan Thompson just got hurt? Yes, he did get hurt. He got he didn't. It did not look very good. Uh, did you have anything to add there, Biebs, on uh No, I <laughs> just a ridiculous point. I, it feels like yesterday this guy couldn't do a, a, a pull up in uh in camp and now here we are seven years later. And he's just still a, a truck podcast. Too, eh? He is a truck now. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Andrew Burnett's um DUI was on a golf cart. That's awesome. Like I mean not awesome. Like what? How do you get that though? Yeah. Was he on the road? He must have been on the road. How hard right? you gotta go. Yeah, like he, he couldn't have been on a golf They're course. They're not just getting you on the course. He was arrested while driving a golf cart while under the influence last week in Florida. Various outlets are reporting. Okay. So I'm assuming he has a golf cart at his house and he was driving. Yeah. Okay. That's right. not awesome. It's not allowed. Yeah, no. Not that's allowed. not cool. If that he was not like cool on the all. course, you know. It's still not cool, but it's it's allowed, I think, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit more. Oh, he ran two stop signs. Yeah. Andrew. There you go. Come on, Andrew. But anyways, let's get somebody who has his same coaching philosophies. Because, uh, yeah, Paul Maurice has Better just turned that into a much more boring. Or even just not Paul Maurice. Yeah, he just turned that into a much Wins more boring early. team than it needed to be. Um, not sure why they hired him in the, the first place. The worst part is we Andrew know Burnett won them fired. a president's trophy. Yes. yes. Unbelievable. We know if Maurice gets fired, like, he'll have a job Like, the most again. points ever, too. Right? I don't know. I think <laughs> if he gets fired, he's guy just keeps getting hired. It makes no sense. Well, he didn't even, like... He just didn't want to live in Winnipeg anymore. He just stepped down. He's like, I he's think got, I need a new voice. And he's got a great, you know, career record in CBA. Terrific, like, yeah. You know, everywhere you go, he's been successful. From he's had Windsor. pretty good players everywhere. He's and I think that they could have some playoff success in that system. Yeah. It's just not conducive to fantasy excellence, although Matt yeah. Kachuk is saying otherwise. And we want fantasy numbers. Okay, so the next two names are both from the Ottawa Centers, who Ooh. a couple weeks ago, I specifically was saying, I really expect big things from this team in the second half. For me, the guy that I like is Drake Batherson. Beebs, you really like Alex Debrinkat. D, you also really like Alex Debrinkat. I so do, yeah. I'll let you guys go first. Let's talk about Alex Debrinkat. He's the bigger name of the two. He's also 94% owned as opposed to 81% owned Drake Batherson. What more to say than two-time 41-goal scorer in his first five or six career seasons this guy i like in this particular situation because this i think is someone you can snake in a deal away from people the other guys we we're talking about closer to a point per game to bring cat 17 goals 24 assists for 41 across 50 yep. that negative 16 plus minus just makes people scream but the 172 shots is right where we want it for someone like to bring cat he has he's having his second lowest career shooting percentage season we all know with a guy, an elite score like this, who shot above 15% four times in his career, it could just be a flick of a switch. And he goes from being that 17 goals through 50 games to, you know, having 30 by the time the year's done and getting 13 in his last 32. I think if there's ever a goal scorer you could go after um, and actually get this late in the season that people might not realize is as good of a goal scorer as they are, this might be the one. Another thing, too, that kind of has been trickling through in the the old uh, rumor mill is that Debrinkat might get dealt this year, and uh, if he does get moved at the deadline, it'd be it, absolutely wild. It, it could uh, it could help him. Um, it could. I don't think it could hurt him right now. Forty one points in fifty games is not necessarily Debrinkat we're used to, especially when he's more assist heavy. But I think that those assists might actually help him if he can. He can bring those goals back to where you know this is a guy. It was a lo- it's pretty much a lock for thirty every year, and it, and if he can get anywhere closer to that with this new these new assist totals, he's on pace for a career high in assists then we could definitely see something nice here. Um, I love going after the guy right now. Like I said, I don't think it's getting much worse. Second lowest shooting. Uh, or shooting it's weird play. Yeah, I, my favorite thing about Debrinkat has always been the fact that he's such uh, a reliable. I mean, he had that one off year in Chicago where he shot 8.7%. So we knew that was kind of always a possibility to have this kind of uh, go through these shooting funks. But uh, otherwise, been a very, very reliable goal scorer. Yeah. 
uh, and actually provide some pretty hearty assist totals as well, like you said, right? Like consistently over the last few years, uh, been around and assist every other game, which I think a lot of people don't give him enough credit for um, and may, are maybe sleeping on that a little bit and, like you said, expecting more goals from them than they've gotten. And also, it just kind of plays off Batherson a little bit. Like, Debrinkat uh, has seven power play goals so far, a little bit uh, under his career totals in terms of an on-pace. Batherson scored 11. So I also just kind of expect that to probably lean a little bit more into Debrinkat's favor, yeah. or at least more than it has been the rest of the way. So I think that'll help his goal scoring totals as well. Uh, but yeah, you said it, Beebs. He's such an interesting guy. Cause like I said, we've seen him shoot 8.7 over a full season. And then aside from that, he's been well above uh, league average for a shooting percentage. Like you said, he's four times shooting over 15%, twice being over 18%. So he has a great shot. It's definitely in there and he shoots the puck a ton. So, uh, and I also believe, like I said, there's more power play production coming down the line. So I think there's just a lot to love here. And to your point, Beebs, uh super, super uh, buy price right now. And, uh, yeah, I just think you can get him pretty easily and just get a really reliable point and goal score uh, the rest of the way. Yeah, in the last three seasons in the NHL, actually, he is 11th in goals across the board. That's better than Steven Stamkos, Matthew Kachuk, Sebastian Aho, and Braden Point for uh, Jake Gensel. Some Which Sebastian Aho? Both uh, of them? Uh, j- both? I'll let you, let you figure that one. <laughs> I actually ran into that today. I had to find the other one on Google. It's tough. Um, but yeah, it's uh, just to show Wait, how so both Elias Pettersons are on the Canucks. Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah, it's going to be a DFO fantasy nightmare. Can one go by Peterson at that point, please? We'll push Let's just trade. We'll one push that agenda. Yeah. yeah, push the or trade the one that's already there. Just keep the tire fire going. There you go. Um, but yeah, just to say that in the last three seasons, that type of production—ninety goals in one hundred and eighty-four games—that's a goal every other game. That's pretty incredible. There's only the elite, elite goal scorers scoring more than him, and Connor McDavid's actually only scored twenty-eight more goals than him in that time. So just you know, um, but no, I don't think you're going to be able to get this ever this cheap so and i just want to say if he did get moved which i don't think will happen at all but if he ever went to a team and even if just ottawa continues to get better uh if he is on a team that could actually produce at even strength i do think this is like 90 point potential for this guy because he's such a reliable power play producer um and whenever he's been paired with effective 5v5 players he's put up just gaudy totals so i think if you actually gave him a really good two-way center that's uh actually really good in both ends that he never had in chicago just chill uh, yeah, I think he could be fantastic. But in the last, that won't be this year. Though. In the last five years, Ooh. only 17 players have at least 140 goals and 140 assists. Yeah. Alex DeBrickcat is one of those and 17. He's 25, nice. by the way. Yeah, it, it's wild to think that he could get traded again. I don't know if that's going to happen. 40 goals scored, three teams in, by yeah, the age of 25. It would be absolutely okay. wild. Uh, but Alex DeBrickcat, or sorry, Drake Bathurst sticks out to me because. If you take a look at the on-ice shooting percentages, specifically at 5v5, he is the only top six player in this entire list, basically, other than like JT Comfer and uh, we talked about Mason McTavish earlier. The only other two on this list in the top 25 in terms of the lowest on-ice shooting percentages in the NHL, his is at 5.97 at 5v5, an absolute abomination of an on-ice shooting percentage. He's contributed to that yes, as well, in for total, sure. In total, four four even strength in total, 9.7 on a shooting percentage, and he has 11 power play goals. So he's definitely going to contribute. This is a guy that had 14 even strength goals a season ago in just 46 games. He had 12 even strength goals in just 56 games the year prior. It's going to start clicking. We talked about how the Senators were had the highest discrepancy between actual goals and expected goals in the first half of the season. It's 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 not just a Brinkat. It's not just Kachuk. It's, it's it's all of them. And 
I think Kachuk is you could probably lump into the same boat, but Batherson is the one and Debrinkat that stick out the most, and it's like really what is. I going think you could get here. Batherson like relatively cheap too. Like, uh, people see that minus. He's only eighty one percent old. <laughs> yeah. You could pick him up in twenty percent of leagues. Yeah, yeah, certainly shallower leagues for sure, and he'd be worth it in eighteen leagues. I, I would think, unless you're leading an eighteen league, you can probably drop someone for for Batherson. Because uh, yeah, I agree. He's got a ton of upside here. Uh, obviously, you know there are some concerns with how favorable his power play production has been with 11 goals and 11 assists already on the season. But to your point, that could totally be offset to any sort of uh, normal 5v5 production or at least anything close to what's expected uh, for how he's been playing. But yeah, like I said, he's been a big contributor to that on-ice shooting percentage as well, scoring just four times at even strength this year. So um, yeah, I, I think... What do you think he's shooting at 5v5, personal shooting percentage? Um, if you had to guess, give shooting ten point three with the eleven power play goals factored in. Don't do too um, much math. I'm so going I would 3%. say probably about yeah four or five, three point eight, yeah. three hundred and forty first in the NHL. Uh, yeah, like I said, so many even strength goals. It's not like he can't score at even strength, right? Like this is a guy that had a lot of even strength goals. If you take a look, well, it used to be his only way to score before they actually got some. He's now offensive eight, talent. Eighteenth in the league in power play points yeah. right now. Yeah, it's not good. He had 26 even strength goals in 102 games. So he was averaging 21 even strength goals per 82 games yeah. the two seasons prior. He has four this year. Yeah. And if you add to the fact that that team is among the best power play teams in the league, his power play production could continue. It should continue. And if he can just figure out a way to not shoot 4% at even strength, he could explode here in the second half. He just needs to honestly get up with, with Stetzel. Like, that's, that's the only way... Not the only way, but it's hard to imagine the 5v5 production really making a strong turn if he's playing with Grieg or Pinto as his centerman. No offense to the two of them. I think yeah, they're fine I mean, young players. With but. Matthew Josephs currently skating on the top yep. line and Debrinkat and Drew seemingly being tied at the hip and Drew and Ridley Gregg having and a pretty... And we've seen Batherson up there already this year. Yeah, for I think points. it's maybe just a bit of a wake-up call. Uh, and all the more reason to buy low because someone's going to go to the daily face-off, look at the Sens lines, and see that he's skating on the third line with, with Derek, Derek Broussard, Broussard yeah. and Shane Pinto. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, totally. You could get, you could get him for next to Totally nothing. agree. And I think even anyone who maybe is in on the know a little bit and maybe a slightly savvy fantasy hockey player might still just be hesitant about how reliant Batherson's been on the power play this year. Um, and again, you can probably or you can try to capitalize on that knowing that the 5v5 production is due for a bit of a bounce back that could offset any dip he sees in PP production the rest of the year. The next name and our last name to talk about is Matt Boldy, who's also still available Deez in guy. over 20% of leagues. That's our guy. 16 goals, 20 assists, 36 points in 50 games. Matt Boldy's biggest issue is he has no center iceman to play with. Yep. Well, that's everyone's issue on that entire team, to be fair, but... Yeah. They haven't had a centerman since Miku Koivu. <laughs> that's probably true. Well, I mean, I, Ryan we Hartman, love Eric Sinek, and I honestly think he should be playing more than he is, but... Yeah. Eric Sinek least... should be playing with Boldy, and Wild fans are screaming for it, yeah. and it should be happening. Um, I mean, Ryan Hartman was great last year. This year, obviously not, but this is a team that's still in the thick of the playoff line. I think Hartman, honestly, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but he'll be better now moving forward with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. Like, he's not an effective play driver on his own. Like, he's a winger that got shifted to the middle of the ice, right? But he should be good centering that line. It, that line's not the problem. Kaprizov and Zuccarello can carry a line on themselves with a wayward sentiment. It's the rest of the lineup. That well, it's the same thing as Sam Steele playing up there. Yep. Sam Steele can't do it by himself. He can do it. It's easy with Kaprizov and, and Zuccarello. Yep. Anybody can do that. Realistically, how big of a league do we own Boldy in? How many teams? 12? Yes. 100%. 10? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 8? 
He's, not eight. He's eight, on eight. Yeah. He's on FA. Just wanted to, to label that out for you know yeah. people who might be listening at home. We yeah. play in different leagues. Okay, but it is also worth. I, I think he's great. If you're, every, <laughs> I would say every team in a twelve-team league. Yes. Uh, maybe if Pretty you're in first or second, yeah. If you're in first or second in a ten-team league, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't have a guy to drop for Boldy, but yeah. anywhere else in a ten-team league, yes. And then bottom half of an eight-team league, like <laughs> you should probably pick him up. Hundred percent agree. You know, maybe if everyone's on top of it, that you know he shouldn't be on. But I would say, yeah. Okay, I'll just throw out a stat that's going to make you guys want him on all your teams. <laughs> Since the start of January, so yes. fourteen games played for Boldy. He is averaging exactly 4.0 shots per game. New year, new Matt. Over that stretch, he has shot 7.1%. He's just so good, man. And it, honestly, the, sh- the shot volume is is literally been, so consistent. He has wanted that. Listen, yeah. listen, listen to this. He has one game in 14 since January 1st where he hasn't had at least three shots on goal. Yeah. Oh, and he only played 12 minutes. That 13 game. out of 14 games, he has at least three shots on goal. It's incredible. His shot volume is amazing. And he's, he's 20 years seven, old. And he's shooting 7.1% with no centerman. I, and I also just want to say, Keeper or Dynasty Leagues, it's a great time to go after 100%. Bulls. 21, can booze now. Just yeah. passed. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so. yeah, good for him. That's why he's shooting. He can finally have a beer after the he's game. He's about to be 22. There yeah. you go. Yeah, I got April, it wrong. But oh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, but yeah, I, I the shot volume. Is, there's no there. There almost isn't anybody better in the league right now. Yeah, I, I especially if you're on like a struggling team and maybe one of the better teams has Boldy, you could probably make a run at him with some older pieces. And I do think this is a guy that is just absolutely set to break out next year. And Zuccarello is only getting older too, so I do think there's going to be a time where the top line is going to yeah, be Boldy, change of the guard, and whoever the hell you want to throw in the middle. Um, and that's really what we're waiting for. He just needs some better linemates at 5v5. And like we said, even just give him Erickson Eck. Like, just give him the best defensive centerman in hockey or one of the best defensive two-way centermans in hockey um, and let him just rip shots, and he will produce. So I, I totally agree because I think he's going to be super usable even if they just keep sticking him out there with Steele and Freddie Goudreau. Um, but, yeah, if he gets that increase in linemates or, God forbid, they ever try another winger with Kaprizov, uh, I, I think he could just absolutely explode. Well, the thing I, I kind of alluded to earlier, this is a team that's in the hunt. I mean, they're a team that could maybe go out and get a Ryan O'Reilly, could go out and get an Adam Henrique or somebody that could help him a little bit, give him o- some O'Reilly help down the middle. O'Reilly would be, yeah, tremendous. He'd be the best. Tremendous, tremendous he just thing. needs to, yeah, they need that health to. Yeah. But I think he'd be a per, I agree. I, think, I, I don't want to see it as a Colorado. With player. Joel Erickson Eck, he has, uh, he's played about 160 minutes over two years, just not nearly enough. But 2.9 expected goals, 4 per 60, 29 scoring chances, 4 per 60. They have been very, very solid together. And they just refuse. With- it, it's just so weird because it's like Erickson X is either on the first line, which has not happened that much. But when he is in the top six, he's playing with the big boys or he just gets dropped into the, the bottom the bottom six. And he's just, you know, basically the seventh defenseman that just or their best defenseman that just shuts down anything that comes his way. But, yeah, I think Erickson X has more offensive upside than um, he's been able to flash at this point in his career. I certainly sticking him like. Well, he's been like playing with Greenway at Felino his exactly. whole life. <laughs> exactly. So, I think the issue, too, ugh. is like. They know what they have in Boldy, and they won't put him with Kaprizov because then they would literally have yeah. You have no secondary, no scoring. secondary scoring. Yeah, yeah. they're only two good players. Yeah. Just or outside of Eric yeah. yeah, and Zuccarello. Just dump and chase the other three shits. You're fine. Yeah, I, I, he's a great guy to go after. I just hopefully he gets some line mates that are you know in his wheelhouse in terms of offensive upside. Anything else to add before we head out? Uh, just, you know, Nick Schmaltz had a four-point game, and it's still at 18% owned. This guy loves Nick Schmaltz. He didn't play for a week. <laughs> you heard me. Give him some ownership. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. 
Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Season 8, Episode 29 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast. Until next week, peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.